si escuchas Crazy Out, es muy loco, ¿ok? Gente. Welcome everyone, you're listening to KUCR here on 88.3 FM, also streaming online at KUCR.org. This is Daniel with the Deer Report. Today we'll get an opportunity to speak with Diana Diaz, Co-Executive Director of Solidarity for Sanctuary. Diana, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi, my name is Diana Diaz and I am the Co-Executive Director of Solidarity for Sanctuary. Solidarity for Sanctuary is an organization that merges arts and music to raise the voices of the immigrant community. We are fairly new and we're in the process of becoming a nonprofit. Hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have nonprofit status. So for now, what we are main event is Selena for Sanctuary and it's a tribute concert to Selena. And we partner up with a nonprofit. So all of the merchandise and all the funds go towards that nonprofit. For example, we just did a show in New York at um, Central Park Summer Stage, and we partnered up with Make the Road New York, which is an amazing organization that works with the immigrant community, and they do a lot of grassroots um, organizing, so we raise funds for them. And we're doing another one November 1st in L.A. How did this Selena for Sanctuary event come about? Selena for Sanctuary started off because so Doris Munoz, who's the founder of Solidarity for Sanctuary, she actually was facing a lot of, you know, just issues on her family because she is the only citizen, born citizen in her family. So her brother was in the midst of getting, like, deported, and her family's also an immigrant. So they, she started this concert just to really raise funds for her brother. And it started off in the hi-hat with, like, 300 people, and it ended up just selling out and doing really well. So... She decided to do this kind of like for other people. So each concert would be for someone that also needed to raise funds for their family. And then what and then that just naturally evolved into becoming a bigger event, working with actual nonprofits and, you know, helping them raise funds so that they could help many families. Okay. It just kind of spiraled from there and grew into something really amazing. Overall there's this sense of frustration and almost pessimism that many of us feel that there's just too much happening. Things are too great. And ultimately we kind of ask ourselves like, what can I do? And one of the things that I'm surprised by this is that this format feels very creative because as I understand it, the Selena for Sanctuary event was a music event. How would you describe this event? We use music as a tool, kind of as a tool to bring community together and to raise the Latino voices, and especially young people, too. It's interesting because it is unique in very ways. One is intersectional, like intergenerational. So there's a lot of people from different age groups coming. It's mainly youth, but you also will see children and elders and families coming together, which is really beautiful. And then you also have music. So music is very accessible to everyone, right? So it's an easy way to communicate and it's a really easy way to elevate voices and to come together and create solidarity and that's what Selena for Sanctuary does and that's what it ended up 
doing. It became a platform where community can come together and allies can come together and really create a safe space and motivate and inspire each other. And that's what's really great about it. It was like amazing to be, you know, like on stage in Lincoln Park and be talking to everyone and seeing a lot of like beautiful brown faces. And they were so excited and they like I, you could tell that they felt like they were creating change just being present and that's amazing that we're able to create that because we're not really doing anything we're just like providing a space for them right like that's all we're really doing is providing a space where they could come but you could tell that just being there means so much to them it's fair to be contextual in how you say it like hey we're just providing a space but i want to kind of consider this question that a lot of us um, maybe don't give ourselves credit for the things that we are able to do toward the community health aspect. The idea of having an event where you're playing music, the people are for a moment, you know, feeling safe enough to let go, to dance, to just really appreciate one another in that beautiful way. I think it goes a long way into those many aspects of resistance. A lot of us may feel that there's only one angle. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, I encounter a lot of conversations where we're just a little bit beat down by saying well i i can't do much um Mm -hmm. i can't pull this person out of the cell but here we we've we see something quite interesting one is the the connection between the the sense of support financially because as i understand it this event was designed to uh uh, to gather funds in order to actually move Mm -hmm. those funds to someone that can support legally those that are in need but at the same time to return to your phrase like all we were doing is providing a space but i think that in itself is transformative because i i can only imagine you know as many of us have recalled our sense of being at a a great positive event whether it's a backyard party or a concert it's significant like you come you come out of there feeling elated just this beautiful strength of recovery and and we need that i think i think those are definitely important Mm -hmm. Definitely an avenue of like, it's definitely a tool, and it's definitely something that was notable was seeing them. And you could tell that's something I made sure to tell them. It's like you're creating social change just by being here. Like this is something that you're doing, you know. And it's it was it's great to see that, you know they yeah they believed it. It was it was beautiful. It was really great to see that. So one of the things you've been telling me is that this this event has been growing, and then. You recently participated in New York at Central Park. How would you compare those two venues? I mean, East Coast, West Coast, scale even, different communities. Did you notice any, any yeah. difference? Well, that's the thing. They, we didn't. It was It's very similar. I mean, the Central Park one was unique because it was definitely very big, and we haven't had an event that size in L.A. yet. So it started off as a DIY in L.A., and in, when it became bigger, it got moved to New York. So the event happening on November 1st in Grand Park is actually going to be our biggest L.A. event to date, which is really exciting and really beautiful. But comparing West Coast to East Coast, it's actually there's no difference. It's still the same. Like everyone was equally as excited. Everyone was equally as motivated. Like it was really there was no difference, which is which is beautiful because I think that's when you know that change is needed regardless of location, right? Like the like brown Latino experience is very similar in different regions of this country. It was very similar. There wasn't like any difference at all. 
And I'm excited to see how this November 1st event is going to look. Like, I'm so excited to see who's going to show up and what it's going to be like, because I'm sure it's going to be very beautiful as well. What can you tell us about this November event? Uh, where are you in the planning process? So uh, this one, it's going to be held in Grand Park. It's going to be November 1st. The lineup hasn't been announced yet, so I can't really say, but it's going to be good. We're going to have amazing poets. Then we're going to have the Sanses. We're going to have um, an amazing like photo booth and everything. Um, it's going to be fun. We have altars. It's going to be a, definitely a good event. We're very excited. How do you see the participation of this event in the grand movement? We're seeing these news of reports of detention centers and raids. So when you sit down and you consider this specific project, is there is there a strategic plan of how it how this project intervenes with the larger movement? So when we sit down and we look at solidarity as a nonprofit, like how it's going to evolve. Um, so we always will have Selena for Sanctuary just because it's a very great platform. But apart from that, we are going to have like workshops. We definitely want to be involved more politically as far as like going to Washington, actually like creating space there having and say in like immigration reform, that's definitely something that we are gonna do more of and we are actively doing more of as far as like reaching out to different nonprofits, organizing with them, coming up with workshops, targeting different communities within LA. So it's it's good. It's gonna be really, really great. When you think about where you are right now, is this something that you planned? I mean, how did you come about ending up here? didn't plan it. It's happened. So I actually DJed the first Elena for Sanctuary show. I DJed it and I went up to Doris afterwards and I had just met her for the first time and I was like, I need to be part of this. Like, you need to make this an actual thing. And she was like, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But she kept on kind of like brushing it off. And each Selena for Sanctuary show, I kept showing up and helping her with it. And each time I would be like, no, Doris, like, we need to make this happen. Like, this actually has to become a nonprofit. And she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. And because she's so busy, she does a music managing as well on the side. And finally, this one day, she was like, okay, like, I'm ready. Like, let's do this. Like, let's make this happen. And I was like, all right, cool. And then it just kind of, we did. And then the, our first event that we did together as like a partnership was the Central Park one, the Summer State Central Park. And it, and after that one, we just got asked to do a lot of shows, which is interesting, right? That like we have these city nonprofits asking us to do concerts that revolve around immigration, which is cool. It's good. It's just one thing where I was like, wow, they're people are interested in this. They want to see like representation and movement in their cities. I feel there's definitely a space to consider just how dynamic the the act of resistance is because when we think about different periods of time where we saw mass mobilization i think music was always integral to that movement mm -hmm. and here it's a little bit different maybe i'm not i'm kind of stumbling to through this way of seeing what i what i think is happening so that originally it's it's an event you would you might call it like just a, a, a fundraiser slash party concert and then you start seeing this growth that like more and more people are interested in having these things hosted for two reasons one is that it's designed to create resources that can be placed 
uh, into like legal funds, maybe uh, bails mm-hmm. and all these different things that actually create transformational physical change. It gets people out of out of detention centers or protects them from yeah. detention, further detention. But there's also this part that I'm that I'm catching, and it, and it speaks to what something you mentioned, like creating space. I wonder if people are noticing that in having a moment of celebration, even though it feels like it's the wrong time, we catch all these uh, news um, reports and they hurt us. They, they, they hurt me emotionally and I imagine other people feel equally the same when we see our loved ones being threatened. It doesn't feel like it's a time to celebrate. But here I think yeah. there's a moment to say, we can cry and laugh at the same time, Mama. We can have a moment to be ourselves and see our our community how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be healthy. We're supposed to be loving. We're supposed to be creative. And maybe that's what people are catching, that like you can't just have one aspect, which is maybe a legal fund, or, or, or one aspect that is like mass mobilization out in the street, you know, protesting. And maybe this is one aspect that people are saying, we need this spot. You know, we need the music. Yeah. We need the celebration. That's like one of the wonderful things about activism. It's like music and art have always been used as a tool to create social change. Like always, right? Because it's like not only is it accessible, but like you said, it's not something that's like mundane or sad. It's like it's uplifting. It's creative. It motivates. It inspires. It's visible. And it's like the easiest way that people can... It's just easy to relate to, you know? And I think that's why Solidarity spoke with so many people. Because like you said, it was a place where people could come. And other people that were immigrants or had families that were immigrants or had people that they knew that were deported, they could come to this space and and have fun, you know, and celebrate and know that they're not alone. You know, that it's like we, we essentially built a community. We built a community that was much needed. Because in the immigrant community... There's like shame, there's silence, you know, of fear. And we took that for one night, we took all of that away. And that it's really beautiful to see that. And it's beautiful to see how it's, it's growing. When we look at the analysis of what's going on, um, there's different ways of hurting us. And that is through the physical, you know, presence that we'll see the immigration and custom enforcement people come raid our, our homes. Uh, But the fear that ripples through our community is more significant. The way that we talk to one Mm -hmm. another and we say, this happened to me, um, I will pass that on to you. And and without necessarily wanting to, you now carry a little bit of that fear. You carry a little bit of that intimidation. Um, And in a a, a very strategic way of, of oppression, that's how it's supposed to work. And I, and I think when we see our moments of community celebrating, even if it's momentary, I think that's a way of regenerating ourselves, knowing that on that moment, people were laughing, they were dancing, they were having a good time. And as you mentioned, they're seeing one another and acknowledging we're not alone. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that like definitely we, we return to this idea of like value. And, and it doesn't feel maybe right to consider, you know, how can you celebrate when there's so much pain in our communities? But at the same time, it's like we can't live like that. You know, we, we yeah. have to celebrate. Even for our very survival, I think we have to love, laugh. We have to. That's how we keep going. You know, laughing and, like, loving, like, that's, like, motivation. Like, that's essential to life. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you saw this intergenerational um, 
coming together, you know, at these events. And in your academic background, you've picked up that, that proficiency in community organizing and development and youth activism. How do you incorporate that, you know, your background in, into the current work? Well, definitely creating solidarity for one, just making it an actual organization, which is like what we're in the process of doing. So we started off as a concert, you know, benefit show evolved into something more quickly evolved into something more essential, right? Something bigger than what, what it started off as. And that's when I came in and I was like, okay, well, I can use my activism organizing background to really make this a sustainable project, something that can last and will have an influential, essential role in immigration, immigration reform and the immigrant community and the Latino community in general, right? So my focus has always been youth. It's, I've always been youth activism, but with solidarity and seeing who shows up, it was evident that, okay, it goes beyond youth, right? It's like elders, little kids, you know, parents. So that's when I decided to kind of sit down and come up with an activism, like activation plan that will be, will have longevity and play an essential role. So coming up with a workshop, um, having a space, connecting with other nonprofits and other orgs. So that's the, the, that's the, the sector that we are currently right now developing. There's this line that many of us have heard where an older generation looks at the newer generation and they'll say well, they just really don't care you know you look at the youth the teenagers yeah. they're like they, they don't care about what's going on they're not really engaged how do you respond to that and even like other like older organizers right like where they see us doing this and like what are y'all doing like this isn't how you're supposed to do it you know like los regañan or something it's interesting because i think with solidarity a lot of people like the elders that show up or like the gente que son más señores and they show up, I don't think they even realize what what they're doing. You know, does that make sense? Like, I think like they're like having fun and they see it as a concert and they feel very loved and appreciated at that moment. But if I would have like told them, like, you know, right now what you're doing, right? Like, this is like you're creating change right now. Like, this is activism work right now. Like, I think they would be surprised. Like, they'd be like, what? Like, no, it's not. It's, uh-huh. it's pretty cool to see that. And I think it's, I think it's because of the uniqueness of Solidarity for Sanctuary, that we're able to create that space, that welcoming space. Well, I think it also speaks to the way we think of ourselves as different uh, parts of a larger network and the different roles we play. So that my background mm-hmm. has been in education for a long time. I've, I've been in the classrooms but I recall so much of myself being a student and I remember so much of what I needed. And one of the things that I definitely learned as a student that I appreciated more was consideration for my well-being over Mm -hmm. the academic so that I would definitely go to a class that was not the best academic class, but where the educator, the teacher, cared about me and then the class that had the top proficient academic in his or her field but said that line of like I don't care what happens outside of the classroom I only care about what happens inside I I, I felt hurt I felt like well then you don't care about me because I am that same person 
that when I walk into your classroom cannot sever. And when, when we think about uh, community growth, I think there's this idea of caretaking that a lot of us have learned to give primary importance. So the sense of like, are you okay? Have you been fed? Are you having a good time? Mm -hmm. and, and then consider if that person feels safe, happy, loved, maybe we can start now also doing other stuff. But there's, there's definitely a, a, a level of consideration to that aspect, which I think is, is being manifested in what you're talking about here, that like the venue may feel to some people trivial. You're like, all you're doing is having a, a concert that evening. But maybe what we're saying is, no, you're missing the point. We're creating a space yeah. of, of love and support. Yeah, it's interesting how that happens. Very much interested in, in seeing all the different spaces that uh, friends are kind of working with. And, you know, some of them are doing like art projects and, and all they're doing yeah. is focusing on art. Others are doing music. Others are doing poetry. And I had this one professor years ago. Yeah, he's uh, from the Totsil community and he was part of that first generation of poets for one of a generation that went back to his community and created these poetry workshops and he was telling me about this awkward transition he said the first generation of poets were very strong in their words very very political very just mm -hmm. defiant beautifully and then he said when I came back and I started saying the next generation I didn't see that anymore but instead, yeah. I saw a lot of love poetry, <laughs> and I, and he was a little <laughs> bit confused at first. But then he told me, like, no, like, that love came after because the first generation fought so hard to create a shield. Does it make sense? Yeah. No, yeah, it definitely makes sense. And I think that's why Solidarity exists. It's like we really, like, I was able to get tools from, like, the past activists that I learned from, you know? Who worked so hard and I read like all the everything and they were so like militant almost in a way and yeah and this is like really like love is in the I know that it sounds so cheesy but like it is love like we but that's because they like gave us that room to have that that they gave us that space you know it really yeah. is like the drive but then um, that's beautiful though right like that's that's change, social change is always evolving it's never stagnant it changes all the time year by year month by month it's always going to be different so you kind of have to acclimate with that. You know, social change will never look the same as it did 10 years ago, five years ago, even a year ago. It's always going to look different. I was hearing this conversation where it was a, it was like a thought experiment. And they were just kind of playing on the science fiction kind of model of asking ourselves to think about our world. And one of the things that was posed was this question that said, what if every time we went to sleep, when we woke up, the world was a little bit different? And they were kind of having this beautiful talk back and forth. But when I was listening to it, I'm going, that's not really a thought experiment. That's actually reality. Like every day, yeah. the world is a little bit different. And these people were mm -hmm. having this beautiful talk in a science fiction model of what it would look like to wake up to a world that looked almost the same, but there was just enough things out of place to let you know it was a different world. And I'm hearing you say this thing about social change, and I'm acknowledging this awkward sense of, like, we actually have that every day. Every day, yeah. the street looks the same, but the people are a little bit different. That same person you encountered isn't necessarily there today. 
or maybe they're wearing a different clothing. And then that also asks us to consider what are the other changes? And I think we are seeing these little, very incremental, but yet important, significant changes. No, yeah. And I think we've had this conversation even about the word Latinx and how like old organizers hate that word. Like they don't like it. They're like, oh, Latinx. But I'm like, no, but that word is necessary. Like that word has created space for a lot of youth, you know? And like, and who are we to take that away from them? Like if that word is motivating and inspiring young folk to create change, like that's a lot, you know? Like use it. So yeah, that's like one example of, of, of it changing, you know? I think it's also about understanding space, like to return to this context that, of words that we're using here and you kind of acknowledging that there's this phrase of creating space and what does that do? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the question is, how much control do you want to have once you create that space? Um, yeah. Sometimes you're surprised. You're like, oh, I didn't expect this group to actually own this space. <laughs> but if it meets the, the, the goal of, of creating a loving, safe, and productive energy, I think, as you mentioned, like, who are we to stop them? You know, maybe the most we can yeah. do is, is support and create uh, these alliances. Yeah, I just feel like we're doing more damage if we try to stop it. And I think that's the optimism. So that I hear a lot of anger, frustration, fear. I'll even um, use the word intimidation sometimes. That like people just, mm-hmm. they're like, these moments are too hard right now. And they're hard in ways that many of us never thought we would see. And some of us yeah. probably argue uh, saw worse, you know. But for what it's worth, those moments of pain, I think, can be countered by acknowledging that we are seeing growth. We are seeing encouragement. I am encouraged by all these people that I meet. I mean, just today I had a class and 26 students of of amazing different communities all are talking about and today we happen to talk about immigration i just think about this space that says there was a time that this classroom didn't exist in this you know in the specific university i'm in so there's mm-hmm. the talk that we were having and that's what i'm telling my students i'm just like this talk with our voice and our bodies like we made this happen you know and it's not yeah. it didn't happen before and if we walk away we just have an empty you know classroom and this reminds me of like what this event is doing is that like literally our bodies become the forms of resistance. We show up and what is it that we're doing? Mm-hmm. We're going to do something very defiant. We're going to be loving. We're going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to laugh and we're going to think about our place in the society and advocate for yeah. more. As like the Latino community in general, like that's always taught. We've been taught to be fearful, to be scared, to be intimidated, to be silent and like exactly like you said, to go, go to a place and be vocal and be loud and not be fearful, like that's resistance at its best, you know? Like we're giving them the opposite of what they want from us. And that's really beautiful. And we hope that we can continue that with each event and with each workshop, you know? Like that's really the goal of solidarity. Well, yeah, remember the way that we've we've learned to internalize certain stereotypes of our of community so that when I was growing up, I heard teachers tell me, your community doesn't value education, you know? And mm-hmm. then I, I want to say for like a minute, I believed it. And then the more I looked around, I realized that's such a lie because everyone that I knew 
wanted to have their kids move on to a higher education. So yeah. it was not true. And then there's this line that says, oh, the Latino or the Latinx or Chicano or indigenous community, they're, they're very passive, they're very quiet. And then I'm realizing that's not true. Um, you, mm-hmm. when, we're in, when we're in at home, <laughs> we're loud, like everyone is. Like, I'm not saying, I don't want to essentialize anyone, so that we're just as dynamic as any other community. And I think, yeah. as you mentioned, that is probably the, the way that this is contextualized, that it's a blend of countering the expectations that have been imposed upon our communities to continue the oppression. Because these lines of be scared, be quiet, be a stereotype, mm-hmm. we know we are not, and not because we have um, a unique family, but because when I go to every family, I see a spectrum of of people i see i see that one person that's super loud that one person who's kind of grouchy that one person who's super creative that one person who's kind of quiet because we are a dynamic community but what yeah. the, one thing that we do know i think as you mentioned is that we have been conditioned to accept certain things of an image of us that we know we are not and and, mm-hmm. and the, the beautiful part i think about how you mentioned change is that like i think music is quite interesting because it is quite dynamic in its form of resistant to be stereotyped. So that yeah. if, if you start with Selena, which I think it has become an icon that many of us learn to love, but she represents exactly the defiant. You know, she is someone that will be appreciated as a U.S. citizen, but also be appreciated as someone that crossed over to, to Mexico, trying to challenge those those defining us versus them criteria but even just music in general i think when i think of that genre i think of this space that uh, is always in defiance to be stereotyped to be categorized yeah and i think that's why selena we chose to right off the bat because she really does represent an entire generation of young latinos that you know that really were taught like you said to like be quiet to fit into that stereotype that was given to us and she broke that you know, she broke it. She was like, nope, I'm going to sing in Spanish, even though I can't really speak Spanish. <laughs> you know, I'm going to break into both these markets. And she became an icon. Like, she really does represent a lot of us. I think that's why another reason why it spoke. You know, that's why when we have events, it, it gets, like, packed with, with people. Remind us a little bit more about the upcoming event. Uh, when is it? So... It's going to be sitting up for Sanctuary November 1st at Grand Park from 7 to 10 p.m. The lineup will be announced September 21st, so be on the lookout for that. Um, there's going to be food, albares, and fences, um, amazing merchandise. We're teaming up with Kids of Immigrants, who's going to make the merch for the event. It's going to be really fun. And I hope all of y'all show up to support Holiday for Sanctuary. Is, we're going to be selling our own stuff, too, to raise money for us because we're not an official nonprofit yet. So, <laughs> Is there a website or a contact page of some kind? Yeah, our Instagram is at For Sanctuary. And then our website is forsanctuary.org. Well, Diana, I want to thank you very much for uh, sharing this conversation with us today. Thank you. You've just finished hearing a conversation with Diana Diaz, co-executive director of Solidarity for Sanctuary, an organization that aims to raise awareness and advocacy in support of immigrant communities. Today we spoke about the different ways that we can participate 
in particular the emphasis on creating spaces of change as a community we are dynamic in our creative expressions music the opportunity to congregate in order to share music in a very healthy loving supportive and fun-filled way in itself is an act of resistance i believe it allows us to have an opportunity to express our more human aspect so that we can counter all the different stereotypes that are placed upon us it may feel contradictory to give ourselves time to enjoy ourselves given how much pressure we feel to defend ourselves but the truth is that we need time for ourselves we need time to regenerate to heal to enjoy to love to laugh and maybe these spaces may not be always given credit but we know that these spaces feed us in ways that are really important sometimes literally we are nourished other times in coming together we are able to know that we are not alone and that allows us to go back into our respective spaces where we are isolated and carry that memory of that of that time where we were better where we were healthier so that we can keep on pushing on so that we can resume that opportunity to be a happier stronger healthier version of ourselves i want to thank you for tuning in you've been listening to daniel with the dear report i hope you found this conversation of interest and relevance and continue it into your respective circles please feel free to send me your thoughts questions and any feedback you may have to comments at dreport.org or check out our archive page at dreport.org to review past segments you've been listening to KUCR here on 88.3 FM the radio station of UC Riverside stay safe stay strong join us again next week before i sign off i'll leave you with two tracks by selena first one you'll hear is i could fall in love second como una flor Take that chance right now
Siempre te... 